In Matthew chapter, this isn't on the screen, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother and will, be li- will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What in the world does that mean? Well, we'll find out tonight. Um... At 6 o'clock. Now for this sermon. So come to that if you want to know what that means. And I promise between now and then, I'll find out too. Now, um, as we've been finishing our sermon series, or been doing our sermon series on the 5 million steps of salvation. What it looks like to live every step, a saved step. Every step, a life of Salvation. One of the things that we um, that we look forward to, at least in that process, or the way we've always done that process, is let's get them baptized. Let's get them. Um, I've actually heard the phrase "let's get them in the water," um, which you want. You need to add and out of the water. We need to go in and out. For it to be a proper baptism. Otherwise, it's just a drowning. And the baptism is an important part to us. And the reason it's been an important part to us is that there have been times where we have found ourselves in discussions with people um, to whom it is not an important part. And I understand that. Um, I understand the re- their readings of the text. But I do not agree. I think it is an extremely important part. N.T. Wright, not a member of the Church of Christ, although we keep sending him letters asking him to join. N.T. Wright, the most respected and the best, in my opinion, New Testament scholar of our time and, I believe, of all time, you know, except for the people who actually wrote the New Testament, um, says that according to Paul, baptism is, as Paul understood it, the practical and actual beginning of the Christian life. So the best New Testament scholar in the world believes that when we get baptized, it is when we begin our Christian life. And let me explain it like this. There was a time in my life where I was very nervous to ask Rachel a very simple question. Four words. Will you marry me? That was a tough thing to ask. Now, what's crazy is I knew she would say yes. I knew it. She had that look in her eye. Uh, I knew she was going to say yes. I knew she was going to want the ring. I knew she was going to put it on. She actually didn't say yes. She just yelled a lot. Um, I chased her down the hall and made her put the ring on. But when she said yes, there was this thing where where she was saying that I was worthy to be married to her. And if that's not grace, I don't know what is. She was saying, I I will marry you. Now, when she declared that she would marry me, there was this moment of, "I've, I've made it big. The fact that she would enter into a relationship with me was a grace-based moment for me. 
I found grace there. I got something I did not deserve. But there were still some things to figure out. Still some things to do. We had to pick out napkins. And other things. We had to uh, we had we had to figure out exactly how the wedding ceremony was going to go, where it was going to be held, who was going to perform the wedding ceremony. We had to go. We went through premarital counseling, passed with flying colors. Man, we it was just that was sort of what you had to do. And then and then there was a day that came, a day that came where where she she. Um, Got all dressed up, and people did her hair, um, and then well, and then and messed it up, and then she did it herself. But they, they, we brought in people to do hair and to do. They did makeup, and they did. They 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 went and bought these special dresses that they got to keep. Um, she had her own little pri- special room just for her. They herded all the men into one room. Said, "Here's some sandwiches. Put on your tuxes by yourself, idiots." They herded us all in there, and we took care of all that, and and then and and then and then they snuck all the men in, and we stood and we waited. We waited not for uh, for for anything else but Rachel. Nothing, and it was a magnificent parade. A young woman threw flowers on the ground. And as they always do, just dump it at the end. We, we, had, um, we, we seated the parents and the grandparents and made sure that they had a front row seat. Not for me, but for someone else. And then, and then they marched just to make sure that we knew how beautiful Rachel's dress was. They marched four or five other ladies down the aisle in much uglier dresses. By comparison, they weren't ugly dresses, but compared, right? And then they shut the doors, and Rachel got in place, and the sun went in the perfect spot, and doves made it in, and they opened the doors, and angels sang, and, 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 and she, came, she came forward to me. That's who she was, she was coming to me, and we committed our life to each other right there. There may be have been a moment of grace when she said she would be in a relationship with me. But the day that she stood in front of me and said, I do. And I said, I do. And we said, made our promises. We said, we will. And I said, I will. And she said, I will. That day was the day that our relationship began. Grace began the relationship or got the process rolling, but whenever we committed to each other in a moment of of uniting, a moment of unity, that's when we were committed to each other. And Paul, throughout Romans, has said, uh, "It is by grace you have been saved. It, it, God's grace saves you." But how do you enter into a relationship with Jesus? Look what he says. We'll get a run and start at Romans 6. Um, but we'll start at Romans 5. Therefore, just as one man's trespass. He's talking about how Adam, 
Adam broke the, the law of God and then uh, and Jesus restored the relationship. Adam broke the covenant, Jesus restored the covenant. Therefore, just as one man's, Adam's, trespasses led to con- condemnation for all, so one man's acts of righteousness, or Jesus' acts of righteousness, leads to justification and life for all. Now, when someone says... How is it that you are saved? Do not make the mistake of saying, I was baptized. Because Jesus' name does not show up in that sentence once. When someone says, how are you saved? You say, Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross and rose from a grave and he is now king. That's how I'm saved. Now, if someone says, how how do you enter in a relationship with him? Well, then let's go to Romans 6. Let's read on in Romans 5, though. Next slide. But law came in with the result that the trespasses multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to our eternal life through Jesus Christ. It is grace that saves us. It is grace that asks us to be in a relationship with, with Jesus. It is grace that brings us in just brings us the possibility of being in a relationship with God through Jesus. And he says the sin sins abound and so does grace. But he goes on, he starts Romans 6 like this. What are we to say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin Go on living in it. Next slide. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Pay attention to all the times just in those two verses. That he says, into, into, with him, just like him. You know, one of, the, one of the arguments, one of the problems we have is we say, well, if, if, if we are saved by grace, not by works, then how come, what's this baptism thing? Because we kind of run into a problem with it. All through Acts, people who, people who are converting to Christianity, who start their Christian life, are baptized. Every single one of them, they're baptized. And that's what the first church did. They baptized people. Acts 2, he says, hey, here's the message of the Christian faith. Here's the the first message is that, that this Jesus who was crucified is now Lord and Savior. And everyone in the audience said, what do we do now? And he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you. And you will receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we run into this act, this thing we do, and we say, well, what in the, how can we, if we're not saved by works and we're not, what's the, bapti- what's the baptizing for? This is how I clear it up. Baptism is not so much a work of man. 
as it is a work of God. When you are baptized, you do nothing. It's not like you have to scale a wall or swim across a lake or even run. We don't even ask you to run forward. Just casually walk. There's nothing you do. You don't even go under the water yourself. Someone else does that for you. Do you think that represents something? And so we, all we have to do is figure out the hold, right? It's this. Those of you who are thinking about it, grab your arm, grab your nose, it's it. Doodly watch eye. Some of you got that joke, the rest of you didn't. So that's a VBS song. Come to VBS next month, you'll find out. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a process, but you really don't do much. You just you go under the water and you come back up. What's happening when that happens? Here, Paul says when, when that happens, I go back one slide. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, what happens when we were baptized? When we were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. When we are baptized, we are saying, I believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God and that he died on the cross. And when he died, they buried him and they rose and he rose again on the third day. And so we too are going through that process. And we believe that just, as, just because, he, because he died and raised, we too will die and be raised. We, death doesn't hold us either. And because we believe that, we join in his death, burial, and resurrection. The way Paul saw us doing that was through baptism. Next slide. For if we have been united with him, still again, there's this unity part. For if we've been united with him in death, like in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Next slide. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And let's finish out the passage. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When I married Rachel, it was at that moment that all other options were off the table. All other options. Now, you may be looking at me and say, Benjamin, you don't have that many options. (laughs) But back when I had rock star hair, I looked really ridiculous. Yeah. So there, one, of, one of the things that y- you run into is, is well, when, when I get married, it's sort of just a, it's, it's like when we were dating. No, it's not like when you were dating. You have no other options. You have committed yourself to one 
person. You have promised yourself to one person. You have promised your actions, your attitudes, your, your um, honor, your, your respect, your eyes, your ears. You've promised everything to one person. And if you deviate from that one person, you are breaking a promise. And the promise can be broken, but the promise cannot be unmade. The best way to understand your baptism especially with the unity language here in Romans 6, is this is the day, if you want to say married, you can say married. If you wanted to say united with, you can say united with. But the way Paul understood it is this is the day you have united with Jesus. This is the way in which you have united with Jesus. Jesus is doing all the work, mind you. God's doing all the work. But this is the way we do it. I have a... um, I I don't want this sermon. I have a fear that this sermon comes off as just a... You know what? In the Church of Christ, we do it right and other people don't. And that's just not true. Um, I don't think the Church of Christ has completely grasped the weight of baptism. Because often what you'll hear us say is, this is what forgives us our sins. I once had a, little, uh, a lady come, uh, a, young, a young lady come forward and want to get baptized. And she just had come to me. And so I talked to her about it. And I actually, and we ended up baptizing this young woman. And someone came up to me afterward and said, I don't know if she's lived long enough to have, like, does she have any sins that need forgiving? What? You think she came to me, wanted to commit her life to Jesus, and you think my response should have been, well, you probably need to sin some more first. <laughs> the baptism does unite us with Jesus, and when we are united with Jesus, by grace, our sins are forgiven. But let's not just jump to the get out of hell free card that we often pass out after baptism and say, well, that's what it's for. What it's for is a uniting with Jesus. When we are baptized, we share in his death, burial, and resurrection. We die a death like his and we are raised like him. And we are given the hope that when we die like him for real, we will be raised like him for real. And if forgiveness of sins happens in there, then it happens in there. And it does because Jesus is gracious and he loves us and he forgives us. But it is only when we are united with Jesus that we can find forgiveness. It's only when we are united with Jesus that we can find resurrection. It's only when we are united with Jesus that we can find church and we can find love and we can find grace. We, the argument has often been what really forgives our sins. And in that discussion, the churches of Christ have often been wrong. Jesus forgives our sins. Baptism is how we unite with the one who forgives our sins. Look at what Peter says in the end of that sermon. All they, He said, Jesus is the Lord and he's the Savior. He's resurrected. This Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord and Savior. King and Messiah. 
this Jesus. And then they say, what do we do? And he says, baptized into his name. Repent, every one of you. And be baptized. Now, that's, it's implied. We're baptized into Jesus' name. Give me two minutes. If you are a um, first century uh, Gentile, that means you're just a Greek person, you're not a Jew, but you happen upon a rabbi, and the rabbi is teaching something that's fantastic. Maybe you just, you're passing through, and you hear this guy talking, and he's got a crowd, and you can go up and you think, oh, that's, that's what I want. So you go up to this rabbi after it's done, and you say, what, how, how do I follow your teaching? And you, well, he would say, well, first, um, there's a surgery involved. You've got to get circumcised. And you say, okay, well, what if I don't want to do that? Let's just assume for a second we don't want that to happen. What do I do next? Said, well, there's a, you, can, you can follow me without um, being circumcised, but you'd actually have to, you've you got to be baptized into the name of the rabbi, into the name of the teacher. Um, if you agree with everything the teacher is saying, you baptize into the name of the teacher. That's why when Jesus shows up to a certain teacher who's teaching that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus walks up, and, and John the Baptist says, that's him right there, and Jesus says, I'll get baptized to that. What Jesus is getting, the reason Jesus is getting baptized is because he believes and agrees with what John is saying. That Jesus is the Messiah. And so when we get baptized in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is I agree with what Jesus was saying, that Jesus would die and on the third day he would raise and that he would be king and that through him all creation will be saved. I believe that. So therefore, I'm going to get baptized into that. I'm going to get baptized into the name, into the teaching, into the life, to the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. We will be united. I will be forgiven but I will be forgiven because we are united. I will find grace because I have connected myself with Jesus. The only way to do that, as far as the New Testament is concerned, and if we want to, just, if we want to go to other sources, let's, we can. I think we're dan- treading on dangerous territory doing such. But as far as the New Testament is concerned, the way you unite with Jesus is through Baptism, not baptism into a particular church, not baptism into a certain denomination, not baptized just within the walls of a church that you completely agree with, but baptized into the name of Jesus. Baptized by the authority and uniting with Jesus. You're getting married to Jesus. You're uniting with the Messiah. The question is, what does that mean? Those of you who have been baptized, what does that mean to you today? What does it mean to be baptized every day? Well, the same thing it means for me to be married every day. Is that my life should revolve around the one to whom I've committed my life. If you've been baptized, that's what you've claimed you can do. You may have broken that promise but you have not unmade it. It's time to start keeping the promise you made at your baptism. The day you were united 
with Jesus. If you have not made that promise, if you have not united with Jesus, today is the day to start that. It's a simple ceremony. It's a simple process. But it's a beautiful thing that happens, and it doesn't happen because you're good. It doesn't happen because you've earned it. It doesn't happen because you're right. It happens because Jesus is alive, and he is king. Let's stand and sing.